0: Hi, I'm Adam Juniper and this is Tanya Nagar. Hi, Adam. Thank you. (laughs) Slight pause before you remember that this is an audio format. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we're two people who like photography and are lucky enough that it forms a little part of our jobs to some extent. Um, In Tanya's case, um, she has been the author of a fantastic book called The New Street Photographer's Manifesto, um, and I strongly hope she'll be uh, the author of... Books on photography in the future, Um, and I'm somebody who can help make that sort of thing happen Um, because my day job is working as a publisher at Ilex, one of the biggest publishers of photography guides in the world. Um, And I have the opportunity to work with a lot of great and interesting people like uh, Michael Freeman, Gordon Lang, um, and occasionally when I've been a little bit lazy, me. (laughs) because <laughs> um, uh, uh, I have uh, commissioned myself to write uh, a book on drones um, which uh, very many, very kind members of the public have, uh, have bought. Yeah, it's a bit um, of an
1: understatement, isn't it? You've done pretty well there.
0: Um, well, we've both sold several tens of thousands of books, which is nice. But today uh, we're, we're going to stick to um, Tanya's area uh, and street photography. Um, because she's just been to Japan with her camera. Um, and well, why don't you tell us what camera you took, actually?
1: Yes, it was interesting. So this trip, I um, I took three cameras with me. I took my digital Canon, uh, Canon 5D. I took a Leica film camera, which is a Leica M6, and I took a Nikon FM with me. And all three of them had the 50mm lens on, which is quite convenient, I guess, because the book that we're working on is all about the 50 mil. So I decided to just <laughs> go along to Japan and um, you know take these three cameras with me and, and you know stick to one kind of lens and just see what I can come back with really.
0: So deciding to um, or possibly being forced by me, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> um, shoot everything on 50 millimeters. was that hard for you or is that?
1: actually it's it is my favorite lens so from a creative perspective it's actually what i prefer because when i travel i find that if you carry multiple lenses with you then you actually end up not really knowing what to shoot whereas if you're forced to just shoot with one lens and one camera at all times it actually enables you to be more creative with your photography so for me i'd say it is a challenge because it's not the easiest lens to work with but just knowing that I've got one camera and one lens at any one time, it, it actually makes it easier. It limits the amount that you faff around thinking, "Oh, actually, that frame would look really cool with a you know a different lens," and you start changing it, and then you miss out on the moment. So, so actually, I, I prefer to always have have the one lens.
0: I think that's a really mature and responsible attitude. Or lazy. I have <laughs> no, no, no but, um, that I have completely failed to. Um, Uh, Adopting those times I've been shooting for. Mm. I suppose when you shoot for other people, you know, even if it's friends and weddings or that kind of thing, it's a sort of that's when you feel a little bit professional. You feel like you should be thinking about things properly. Um, But on every occasion that I've done that, um, or when I'm taking pictures just for my own pleasure, I'm always aware of the other lens that I could be using. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, mostly. The price of it, <laughs> yeah, and, but certainly um, I think to myself, yeah, I really wish I'd. Um, and the other lens that I could be using is invariably the one I didn't bring because it was too heavy, which is yeah. um, a very nice 70 to 200 mil ca- uh, right. Sony lens. Yeah, because uh, I, I turned Sony when the A7 came out, um, and it, I was so excited by the idea of a. Uh, full frame sensor, mm-hmm. which I guess is something. Yeah. That obviously, if you're yeah. shooting film, you're B- big fan of big not fan sensor. Of
1: yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> I actually made just deviating away. I actually made a complete error. I went into a camera shop, and there was something wrong with my camera, and it was um, just really dusty, and it was a film camera. And I went in and said, "I think there's, you know, I, I think there's something wrong with my sensor." Guys said this is a film camera, there is no sensor in this. And I thought this is such Did a Did he say it in thing. a
0: special patch? He tone. said it in
1: that special patch. In all fairness, it was a pretty stupid thing to come out with, you know.
0: So yeah. Yeah, but it's a mistake that can easily trip off the tongue, I think. If yeah. you say that it, 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 mm.
1: Anyway, <laughs> yeah.
0: But the idea of a camera shop is still is quite a rare thing these days. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? And it's
1: a great camera shop actually. I should probably plug it, but um yeah, it is quite rare to find, um, you know, proper little quirky camera shops that stock every bit of equipment, kind of the old school stuff as well. Because I do love shooting film, and you know, it's becoming rarer to find, I guess, people to talk to about this stuff really. And
0: so, um, I mean, we'd be very interested to hear about anyone's favourite camera shops. Um, I guess my favourite, in a way, is B and H in New York. Mm. Uh, where I bought my um, where I bought my A7 because of the almost Hogwarts esque um, robot run of um, yeah. delivery things, which I was trying to describe the other day. Um, as you can see, I'm failing to describe it now. It is amazing if you've ever seen it. Um, little trays with your camera and running above the store Uh, where the ceilings are not that high so you feel like you keep gonna bang your head on um these things but actually is really sort of old-fashioned Argos if we're honest (laughs) it is yeah you know
1: I haven't actually been to that store but um oh I mean we could do a whole session on on photography stores but in Japan there's an amazing place called Yodabashi Camera and it's it's huge. It's sort of six floors of I mean, you just get lost in this place because let's say you're looking for a tripod, you will literally find hundreds of tripods. You a won't floor. know like, literally a floor or a section of tripods and it's just mind boggling really. But it's it's fascinating. It's like a museum and you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the cheapest place but it is the place that you will find everything that you need. You know, thousands of types of straps and it's just like...
0: They, they never run out of the, the best straps are never the cheapest. No, they, no. Um, but sometimes it's you feel it's worth supporting, I yeah, think. Absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you say, it's like... Um, say you're going to find a thing anyway. Um, that's almost a museum... But that wouldn't be there. But you'd pay five, ten pounds to go into a museum. Yeah, this is it. So, Uh, would you pay five, ten pounds to um, not get the thing from Amazon? Also, it is a nice thing to be able to touch a product before you buy it. Absolutely, yeah. There's nothing quite like
1: going into a shop and actually seeing it for yourself. So,
0: I think that said, um, with cameras, what would be more useful is to spend some time with pixel by pixel results from uh, mm. uh, I think if I'd seen the results from the A7 um, I might have tried to find the extra money for the one that's more capable in low light or wait until the second iteration came around. Yeah
1: it's a very good point yeah it is a good point
0: but at the time it was just to be honest I still can't afford the the shiny new A7 is about four thousand so. pounds. Oh jeez, it's nuts. Is that, I may, I'll check that later. It seems like about that much anyway. It seems like a lot. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Okay, so um, so other than camera shops, mm. what what did you do in Japan?
1: It was great. I mean, Japan, I've been to Japan before, and it is. It's such a world away from the UK, and it, it really is a place that you can escape to. And I don't just mean because it's so far away; because it is, it's halfway around the world. But um,
0: so, you, to be clear, you've not done a murder or anything. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to be out of the country no. and a few thousand oh, miles away.
1: Well, now that you mentioned it, no, no, no. Um, no so, so I'm currently in a situation where I'm in between uh, two different jobs, and I just needed to clear my. I guess my head a little bit and I thought where should I go as a solo traveler um you know so solo kind of friendly and a place that I know is you know fascinates me in terms of the culture and a place that I can you know shoot freely and and you know hopefully get some good um, good captures and Japan just came straight to the top of my mind because it is the kind of place that is perfect for escapism but also it's so diverse in in the country that You know, you can travel for two or three hours in any direction from Tokyo and be in a completely different, you know, part of the country that is very different to the sort of city. So if I think of Mount Fuji, for example, that is obviously completely different, a world away from the bright, bustling lights of Tokyo. So it's a different kind of photography, and I felt like I could really, in a relatively short space of time, cover quite a diverse
0: it's quite a challenge to allow country. yourself like you were there for a week and yeah well
1: about eight days and if you take into consideration that you lose a day travelling there and you another know then you've got another jet another lag which, well this is it it took about three days to get over the jet lag but um it, yeah
0: because you're travelling uh you, it's a 12 hour flight it's basically all the way it's the same isn't it yeah so
1: it's a 12 um, hour flight and then you're losing it's a 9 hour time difference so <laughs> by the time you get there you pretty much lost a day yeah because
0: I find when you go west it's fine mm. and when you come east yeah. it screws you up funny
1: enough is exactly um, what I think as well
0: yeah and which I was always thought is very unfair on Americans visiting us because they lose their first day in London yeah whereas when we go there we get plenty of seem to, to be completely fine yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. um because I'm assuming there's, there's, val- there's value for money, you know, if you're flying somewhere, but each day costs money. Oh, this is it, yeah. it
1: yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, no, I did lose a couple of days, um, but it, did, it didn't really matter. I mean, there's, there's so much you can do there in a relatively short space of time as well. But, um, so, so, really, I mixed it up. I did... Most of my time was spent in Tokyo. Um, I love the city, and, you know, it's so packed full of people, and you can be quite anonymous in the way you shoot there, so whether you're on the tube, or the metro, or um, just out on the streets, you feel like there's the freedom to shoot without without that kind of um, obstacle in any way, if yeah. that makes any no, sense. no, no, I see
0: what you mean, um, I think you were saying just before we started that people were less circumspect about the camera than you might yeah. get in other... Yeah, it's,
1: it's really interesting, and I don't know if it's because I'm clearly a foreigner, and you know the language isn't there but what what i really find in japan is that people are much more friendly and open to to having their photo taken
0: do you think it's because they think they are a tourist or do you think they, they could maybe be that, it's yeah. because there is quite a culture of photography
1: i think i think it's a mixture of things i think as a, as a society even that's quite difficult to say actually as a society um, they seem to be a little bit more conservative and polite as people so I think generally they're less likely to sort of lash out and be rude about things. Um, then no, there's Not th-
0: hard to find people politer than the English. Well <laughs> uh,
1: yeah um, and, then, and then you've got the the language barrier so they're less likely to I guess make conversation because they know that the chances I'm not going to be able to speak Japanese and, and have a conversation um, but also I think it, it goes back to the kind of street photography that I like to do which is you know, not being hostile about it either. So, you know, I'm generally quite a friendly person and, you know, I like to make eye contact with subjects and smile at them and, you know, I like to make people feel at ease. So for me, it's not about just capturing people when they least expect it. It's about being, you know, having the kind of, um, I guess, friendly nature that connects with people and resonates with them so they're more likely to let you take their photo as well. Or so, at least know that you're not doing it with any bad intentions. So you
0: don't you don't think um, street as a as a genre has to be a surprise? No, or a, absolutely or not. Or capturing a moment before everyone's aware that you're there? No,
1: absolutely not. I mean, you've got kind of different styles um, of street as well. And th- there are photographers out there that like to use flash, that like to really get into people's faces and like to surprise people. And they think that those kind of pictures of people being really surprised in the street are... You know, is street photography, and for me, that's actually the opposite of what I like to do. Cause well, I one
0: thing, I mean, I, I, I and I feel free to correct me because I get these things wrong all the time. But um, you don't really see, like, if, if street photography truly was about sort of recording something without getting caught, mm. you know, um, as some people do seem to imply. Yeah. Um, then you would see people using wildlife-style supers zoom oh, lenses. Oh, it, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, you know, e- effectively the sniper rifle of the camera world, and hiding.
1: That's that's true. I think I think you need a balance of the two, really. So for me, it's about getting up close to the action, but also maintaining that element of you know you are a human at the end of the day, and I'm not here to alarm you and try and capture you at your worst. Um, so yeah th- there needs to be a balance there, and I think Japan allows for that quite well, and again, it might be maybe naive and maybe it's a language thing and the barrier there, but or maybe it's the fact that it's just you know tokyo is a, a city full of God knows how many people, but there are so many people that you can sort of blend in and not stand out um yeah, quite the, easily. The crowd
0: does that doesn't
1: it? yeah, and they keep to themselves a lot as well um it, you know it, it definitely is a culture of. Not disturbing well, you, other
0: people you, and, and oh, so you think that that's sort of more true in Japan than it is oh in, uh, yeah, definitely,
1: yeah, from, definitely,
0: um, all right, shall we um, try and talk about um, a yeah. few photos definitely. Um, which is uh, going to be an interesting experiment for those of you well, this is an audio format largely, although <laughs> um, you can uh, watch it on YouTube as well, um, and there you 'll be able to see the photographs we talk about, or you can look at our website, which is. The Photographer Podcast. The Photographer's Podcast. Sorry. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, really yeah. ought to sing. know this. The oh, Photographer Podcast. So Love
1: these <laughs> <Lovely>
0: things. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave that in as well. No, hang on. <laughs> but I'm going to re record it as well just in case I can't quite bring myself to leave it in, which is. Um, so you'll be able to uh, look at the photographs on thephotographerpodcast.com. Uh, We thought we should go for as long a URL as possible. Um, Or um, there will be a video version of this um, if you want to see um, that roughly 50% of us are camera-friendly. But let's get straight in with some of your Mm. favourites.
1: Yeah, I mean, this one, as I've called it, Fuji on Fuji, because it was shot with... um, well, it's Mount Fuji and it was shot with the Fuji film. It, it isn't the most technical... Well, I mean, <laughs> I was a bit mixed about this picture. And I think if I look at it, it doesn't quite look like a photograph. It's almost like a painting. And I got the exposure off, so you can see sort of pink hues in there. The colour's a little bit washed out. And I haven't quite figured out why it turned out that way, But I like it.
0: And why my pink, light light pink is a slightly Japanese-y Mount Fuji? It sort of feels right. Yeah, but there
1: there is something quite Japanese about it. I don't just mean because Mount Fuji's in it. It's the most kind of iconic, um, I guess, Japanese nature or whatever. Um,
0: We're we're looking at a photograph which is about two-thirds sky, um, a little bit of which is stolen by uh, Mount Fuji, which is (laughs) the iconic... um, Japanese mountain, um, but then you've deliberately put um, street, uh, sort of electricity cables mm. um, and posts in, and what appears to be a railroad. Yeah. Um, sorry, railway, I'm not an American yet. Um, which is quite interesting in of itself, actually. Yeah. I think that um, you don't usually see it, houses built around. If that was if that was the UK, or uh, you'd have massive fences around mm. there and safety warnings and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a very small town, and really, there's nothing nothing interesting about the town. Um, I just wanted to get off the tourist path, I guess, and experience Mount Fuji from a different perspective. So this town was tiny, and, and like you said, I mean, there were houses right by the uh, rail uh, railway tracks, and what. So the reason I actually captured this is because what struck me about Mount Fuji is just how incredible it is in terms of its scale. And that particular day when I'd gone there, there were actually clouds covering the entire mountain. So you couldn't see a thing. And I was literally about to get back on the train and go back to Tokyo. And then I saw the clouds kind of moving apart, the blue sky coming out. There were a couple of girls that were there as well, and they were saying, "Should we? Should we stick around for this?" And I decided at that moment that, "Yep, I'm going to stick around. Hopefully, these clouds will clear." And and this actually was just at that moment when I turned a corner to go back up the hill, and I just saw this. This was ground level. Just kind of turned a corner, and it just—I think I had to stand for about. Five minutes, just in awe of this thing because I wasn't prepared for the scale of it. So I don't know if this picture actually captures that scale, but for me, just being there, I I realised that it's just beautiful. And these houses in in this small town, they just probably wake up to this most mornings and it just seemed incredible
0: to me that... That's true, isn't it? I think the one one thing that you can really easily see from it is how... um, because the mountain is just appearing, it is obviously spectacular to our eyes. Yet somehow you can tell that everyone who lives here doesn't. It's just, it just—it means nothing to no, them. No, exactly,
1: it. exactly. It's just another sight that they see every day. So, for me, I guess it's more of a personal meaning. Which, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know from your perspective, Adam. If it—if it jumps out at you as being a particular, particularly. Um, interesting frame it's, it's, it's bizarre I think, well, it's,
0: I think it's, it's very compositionally strong um, you know I don't want to give a, a <laughs> critique uh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Um, yeah. any such thing because, no um, please feel free to <laughs> uh, well we have some theories here um, uh, having published uh, the biggest selling composition book in the world half a million copies that was handy wasn't it um, <laughs>
1: That wasn't intentional either, was
0: it? So uh, no, no. Well it. Um, it does mean, though, that I should, um, you know, if I wanted to say that maybe some certain theories on composition seem a bit much to mm. me, mm. that probably wouldn't be a great career move right now. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can you can see how effective, you know, if you just pointed the camera at the mountain like a tourist and put yeah. it in the middle, it would look terrible. It would not be an interesting picture. Whereas. We've looked at it, and I think seen quite a lot. Possibly as much as I'm now prepared to an audio. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we? Um, shall I scroll on using? This is a regrettable way to do it. Um, audio, audio enthusiasts, we are using one computer for the sound recording and viewing the images, um, and two resourceful. screens. Yeah, it's resourceful. which is the, which is resourceful uh if uh, as described by a nice person or <laughs> ill thought through uh i might let's go with resourceful <laughs>
1: resourceful's good yeah so this um so this image here is um i don't i don't even know where to start with it to be honest it was
0: I, i'm um, gonna ask you instead i mm-hmm. think right? so I, what i'm looking at is a man um uh, with gloves on um stood next to a shelf of books, and he looks to me like a librarian who is immensely proud of his library. Mm. Um, although, obviously, if I see a librarian with gloves on, um, I also think <laughs> yeah. maybe Suspicious. it's a Ghostbusters scenario is going on. And, <laughs> but, yeah. um, and he's, he's really happy to be photographed, isn't he? Mm,
1: he's happy to be photographed. It's actually it's quite a sad scenario here. So this was a ah. small town in Fukushima, which is... Um,
0: Oh, yeah, I should have read the caption, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, there, isn't, there
1: isn't really a caption, it's just a title, but there's... Um, so as you, as you might be aware, seven years ago, in fact, seven years ago almost to the day, there was a huge earthquake in Japan, followed by a tsunami, followed by a nuclear explosion. And as a result of all three of those, thousands of people were displaced, thousands of people died. Um, it was very, very sad. And I, almost by accident, actually, um, visited some of the towns that were hit by this and you know they're small towns they're not particularly um interesting from a I guess town perspective um but they are pretty much ghost towns now and this man it was actually it's a really interesting story so I was going down the street and I was being taken um driven by um someone from that area a local person and it was completely deserted. So seven years on, all the shops on that particular street are either boarded up or just left as they were seven years ago. So it's quite fascinating, more a bit morbid, sort of morbidly fascinating, I guess. Um, but that particular day, this guy was just coming out of his car, and the person I was with was just so surprised to see anyone on that street that we stopped the car and we thought, Let, we, we need to go and talk to this guy and see what what he's doing back here, what his story is, you know, what, what, what exactly is going on here. And we spoke to him, and it was all being translated to me because I don't obviously understand Japanese, and he was back there to take one last look at his bookstore before it's um, to be demolished, so it was really, really sad. And he told me this story of how, during the earthquake, all the books fell off the shelves, and then there was a tsunami, and that particular town wasn't hit by the water as much, but then the nuclear disaster happened, so everything was contaminated, he was told to evacuate, and everything was just left as it is. So his brother persuaded him to come back and put all the books on the shelves, just to tidy it up. So I think it was more of a psychology sort of thing. That's, that's incredible.
0: I imagine, you know, thinking, for no real functional purpose, um, just have
1: This is it. I and mean,
0: it's not a small bookstore. No,
1: it was a huge bookstore, <laughs> hundreds, you know, maybe thousands of books in there, and so he came back to to put all the books up, which he did I think um a few months before this this particular picture was taken. And he was there to just have one last look at the whole store before it's eventually just completely demolished. And I and I said, Look, why wouldn't you just sell these books? Because there are so many books here, they're brand new, thousands of them in all kinds of books, textbooks, anime books, you know, manga, it's just the whole lot, the whole spectrum there. And he he kind of looked at me in this really sad way and he said the government won't let him sell them because they could be contaminated. And at that moment I thought this is incredible just seeing all these books that would just have to be, I don't know, burned or thrown away because he literally cannot sell them. So although he looks quite happy in that picture, it was actually quite a sad moment, almost a nostalgic moment for him. And I said to him, look, do you mind if I take your, you know, Take your photo. I think it just—it's—it's it's kind of really touching this whole story. And he's wearing gloves because of the contamination, and it, you know. Just you know, to be I'm, I'm looking
0: into his eyes like really differently now. I know the whole yeah. Story. So this is it.
1: There's a lot of context behind this, and although it's—it's it's kind of a happy moment because he's accepted that this is what's going to happen and he can move on with his life. It, it's all—it's almost very sad. It was definitely sad for me because I was capturing a man who this was his livelihood, and now it's all going to be.
0: One thing that's, uh, I mean, as a, you know, someone who does occasionally take photos when I travel, mm. um, one thing that sort of strikes me as quite interesting, you you were travelling alone in um, Japan with no Japanese, yeah. yet you were able to find someone
1: oh, to translate a, for you. Unreal, and, yeah. And,
0: yeah. And to visit what must be a slightly tricky area. Well, well,
1: this is why it was very unlikely and unexpected, because although I was keen to visit the area out of curiosity more than anything else, I wasn't expecting to find anyone there that could speak English and would travel with me and would be able to translate things for me and explain things about the area. So actually it turned out to be a really insightful eye-opening trip. And he had um, one of those nuclear or radiation uh, devices. A Geiger counter. A Geiger counter. So we had that with us at all times, which was also very interesting because it was fluctuating quite a lot. And at times I was thinking... Is this really safe? Should I be in this area?
0: Very, very unsettling machines to be near.
1: Yeah, but um, but it was all, it was all fine. I mean, especially if they're doing that. Yeah, they were, they were fluctuating a lot, and it was. Um, I learned a lot about nuclear radiation and the impact to people. I mean, th- this particular guy was explaining that the books don't actually contain much radiation but the government will still not let him sell them because who's going to want to buy them, right? And I was so close to saying, can I take one as a souvenir? And I thought, I don't know if this is actually legal because I'm taking potentially contaminated books out of this area and bringing them on a plane back to the UK. Probably not the best idea in the world. It's also
0: worth pointing out that um, contamination, you know, something like that, largely falls as dust, so they might not contain a lot of it. They'll still have dust and stuff on the top. Yeah. And books yeah. made of pages, you know, there's yeah. more chance of it creeping in than it, exactly. maybe something else.
1: Exactly. So very sad moment. But I use this again, 50 mil lens, I use my digital camera for this. It was very dark, um, but obviously the settings I use really capture the sort of light on his face. Um the only light that was coming in was from a shutter. So he opened his bookstore to show me what what you know what the store looked like he wasn't going to do that and that was again you know a sort of touching moment for me the fact that he was almost he was really proud of his store and wanted i guess to show me that this is it you know it's a huge bookstore with stationery and all kinds of things and he's going to lose that very soon
0: but yeah no um from a slightly more boring technical point of view if you like yeah. um you were saying that as a dark room, you're able to do very well with a 50mm lens. Yeah, and yeah. Get, um,
1: It was a fast lens, and um, the only light coming in was from half a window because the shutter was, was half up. So, yeah, I mean, the the Canon 5D is a great camera. Um, you know, it really allows to take pictures in low-light photography. And with the right lens, um, you know, the combination of that fast lens and high sensitivity to light meant that I was able to get you know, quite, quite a nice portrait of this guy I'd say
0: some years ago when um, when the 5D was recently out uh, and a friend of a friend who was a professional photographer had got one and there was no way I could afford anything like this I was yeah. so excited to be uh, uh and pride in Brighton mm. um, I just went out and took loads of pictures of people, she, she let me borrow the camera yeah, um, uh, and I just ran around the park um, Went back when you still could before it was all fenced off and expensive, right? Um, and took pictures of people, and that is a it was a great expense because that was another time where a relatively shallow mm. um, depth of field, you know, it really brought the characters out. So yeah. I, um,
1: I mean, you don't need a five D to capture this either. But um, to be honest, you know, the lens I think is more important than the actual camera. Yeah, But no, I took some photos. Well, the lens wasn't cheap either. <laughs> no, oh right, um, but. I took some pictures on just on my camera of the actual shop, and I mean they're all blurry and you know not worth showing really. But it was more for myself to, to remember the place by because I don't think this will be standing in a few months' time.
0: So that's um, they're actually clearing the sites. And...
1: Yeah. So it's up to you. so he owns about four shops in this street and. It's up to you as a, as the owner of the shop as to whether you want to demolish it or just keep it standing for now. And he decided to, to have it demolished. There's just no point mm. of it being up. So Part what feel
0: you feel like it shouldn't. It's weird that it's up to you. It feels like they they ought to be saying, yeah, we should probably be getting rid of all this." Well, no. Or, the reason is <laughs> the
1: reason is because that particular town called Namie, they've now lifted an evacuation um, order, so you can come back if you want. Which is why they're not demolishing everything because if someone wants to come back and try and open their shop up again and, and try and make some money, then they're free to do that. The reality is that's very unlikely yeah. because people are not returning there. So, yeah. If most
0: people don't come back, opening a shop is no, going to be exactly. a bit of a, yeah. So
1: it was also quite poignant, actually, because there were shops around this one where they'd already been demolished and all you could see on the floor was just the shrine of the shop. So each, each owner has a little temple inside their their building and all they'd kept was the shrine so it was just a street which might have an empty space where the building once stood but you see the shrine on the floor so it it was really interesting and for me yeah it is i just thought that you know i wasn't expecting to see any of that and this man really just brought it home that you know the extent of i guess livelihoods being uh, broken because of those um more so, not because of the, the earthquake and the tsunami, but because of the nuclear yeah.
0: nuclear stuff. So I'm going to move on now. Just, mm. um, it seems like we're going to talk a little bit about photography and then mostly about...
1: <laughs> um, Stories. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, which, of course, is one of the great things about photography is that mm. you get to learn more.
1: Yeah, for me, it's not just about shooting. we probably skip past this one as well, actually. Okay. These are all from Fukushima. Yeah, we'll skip past that as well.
0: So um, yeah, we've just seen uh, an old lady sat around uh, a mask, uh, a man who's just taken his mask down for a second. To, yeah, they're presumably all to communicate.
1: Yeah, and this guy as well. We'll we'll go past this one. I mean, these are all part of the um, Fukushima yeah. stories. Okay. Um,
0: and now and then going back now to your other favourite area, Japanese public transport. Yeah. Um, and public transport <laughs> does tell you a lot about a place, I think. It does, um, yeah. Uh, I do hope we have some American listening, uh, because we can talk about how appalling the <laughs> New York subway is. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: and the Japanese, my God, they are so... It's a country of convenience. You know, the train leaves on time. Buying tickets is so easy. Um, if you buy the wrong ticket, you can easily get a replacement. You know, it's not like here where... if you get the wrong ticket suddenly the process to get a refund is just you know you almost think is there any point bothering yeah
0: um yeah well they deliberately i'm sure they deliberately make sure there is no point well yeah um yeah the the thing that we've had to go i don't know about you but i had to book my ticket for the photography show at the weekend Mm -hmm. i had to book it some months in advance to get it at a reasonable cost uh had to choose a seat um, and had to answer questions about how I felt about the direction of travel Mm. Um, even though I know that that's you know everyone says the same thing I would like to look forward so I know that only half the people will get that (laughs) Um, and then it will try and charge you different amounts of money for trains that are leaving five minutes apart yeah and if
1: and if you book the wrong ticket and want a refund, you can't get one.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. No, you can't unless you spend uh, you know, five times of the amount exactly. to have the you know, ability yeah. to change it. No, it's it's really strange. Um but here you've caught I'm assuming yourself. Yeah, self
1: so portrait. <laughs> so they have these mirrors on the Tokyo Metro, which I always find interesting because we don't obviously have that in the London underground. And I don't even know why they have them there, but I guess it's for people to look at themselves to make sure they look okay. I I really don't know, but I just found it fascinating. Just it's such a small thing, but um, yeah, I just just decided I'll take a self-portrait of you know uh, uh, with with someone kind of walking behind the mirror as well. Yeah, no, I
0: mean that's so you've composed (laughs) it. So um, we're saying your head um, and camera, and then some legs that are definitely not yours, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're slightly misshapen, but but appear at first glance to be yours, and in between um, a Metro sign, mm. I presume. Uh, well, I guess what this demonstrates
1: is that there is so much scope to take kind of quirky pictures on public transport there. I could have spent all my time just travelling on the trains, just capturing different scenes, um... Different kinds of scenes as well, not just um, people travelling, but you know myself as well. And I'm not, I'm not big on self-portraits to be honest, but yeah, I couldn't resist doing that one. And yeah, what we're moving to now is. um,
0: Well, I think I mean it's probably worth the saying that you don't actually have to travel uh, halfway around the world to the public. No, Uh, (laughs) it's possible. In like one of the great things um, about the tube or other um, transit systems is that almost everyone is staring at their phone these days your phone is probably a pretty Mm. good camera Um, and so as long as you don't hold it up press click and put it straight back down again Mm. I think that you can if you see an interesting photograph but you just look like you're carrying on reading the news or what have you but capture the photo as part of that moment um, I think that you can get some reasonably good street photography not street but uh, um, without being beaten up yeah,
1: I, th- I think you can, and it's just about even, how even in the UK, even in the UK, no, absolutely, and I shoot all the time on on public transport wherever I am. I just find it fascinating from a cultural perspective, but from a from an observational perspective, and and the picture we're looking at now, you know, you mentioned the phones, you know, everyone's pretty much on their phones. They're either asleep or on their phones, and um, I just like this because it depicts that typical train scene. You know, you could be. Anywhere in the world, and you'll see, you know, people on their phones and you know, a packed train, and
0: it's it's almost very. Yeah, I mean, I use the Central Line a lot. It doesn't feel packed. I, I can see all the way down the coach. That that seems mm. odd to me. Yeah, yeah. it was
1: it's spacious trains <laughs> there as well, and um, I mean, I don't think it was r- pure rush hour here, but I just like the guy in the in the middle there, just the way he's standing, and again yeah. looking at his phone and
0: white umbrella. Always,
1: yeah, white umbrella is very popular there as well. And um, again, it's that, you know, just being anonymous. And I think the masks there, a lot of people in Japan wear those masks and it just adds that anonymity of... Yeah, and it really does make
0: it feel, like, clearly Japanese in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, So
1: it's one of my favourites, actually, this this scene. And again, I don't know if it's technically one of the best or even framed in in the best way, but for me, just sort of standing there looking down that carriage and, and just seeing everyone... To themselves, you know, in their own worlds,
0: just. If I was if I was being a critic, I would say that what makes it a good framing from my point of view is the way you've actually, you know, deliberately used the handholds, um, yeah, like a wildlife photographer almost would put flora and fauna around yeah. the outside. Oh, I love those! I love
1: those, and they're so colourful as well. So the rest of the scene is quite dull, and this is just a. Ja- I don't know if it's a Japanese thing actually. It must be because all the trains I travelled on, even the ones outside of Tokyo. Have these really lovely hand holder things um, on the tops of the trains, which they just add some sort of element of. I don't know how to describe it, but actually, if you scroll down, there might be another one. Um, no, not that one.
0: Well, that, that well, that too. Yeah, that uh-huh. we'll
1: we'll come back up to that one, but um, yeah, that, that's he, that's
0: he a looks slightly like sinister, doesn't he? <laughs>
1: Did you see sinister? Yeah, black, black gloves,
0: quite serious yeah. expression. And the
1: only one not actually doing anything, just staring into long space. Long dark coats. Yeah. Like, um,
0: yeah, he's not doing anything because he's planning a murder.
1: It's quite possible. It's quite possible. I wouldn't want to speculate, but yeah. you know, it could could be an option there.
0: Or um, he's getting off at the next stop. Or he's yeah, he's exactly Just thinking,
1: let me get off this train as quickly as possible. I don't. I don't know if I included the picture here. If you get, ah yes, here, next one, next one. Yeah, so oh, an empty train. Oh, an well, empty train, yeah. So, um, how do I describe this? This was um, this was actually the train on the way to Mount Fuji. So the, the first picture that we we talked about was about probably two hours from when I took this photo, and this is a film capture. And the reason I I took this because I was fascinated with those rings, and I actually took two versions of this. One with the focus on that that person's legs and the other on the focus on the rings and this is the one that, that's obviously on the legs but I just found the rings and the sort of bright posters captivating and even the blue of the doors it's
0: very uniform isn't
1: it very uniform that's a good word to describe it actually very uniform very um, structured and organised I think is, is a word I'd use to, to describe everything in Japan in general but something about this picture I just love it might be the fact that it's, you know, the tones, but sort of the rings and... Yeah, uniform, I think, is actually a very good word to describe it,
0: yeah. No, oh, no, watching. here we are now. This is the Blade Runner umbrellas.
1: <laughs> yeah, that street's a famous street in um, in Tokyo. So if you've, if you've been to Jap- Japan, you'll recognise this.
0: Which sadly exactly, I haven't.
1: Yeah, and you should. It's, um... It's a great place. Which one do you want to talk about? They're all very different.
0: Um, what's going on? Uh,
1: can you guess? It's, you won't be able to guess.
0: Uh, well, is that a kiosk window or something? Is that, no. You know, I, I really can't.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a funny one, actually. and It's quite abstract, which is why I like it. But it does mean that no one can really tell what's going on here. So... This is a games arcade in Tokyo and I'm looking through a game which this lady who's wearing a mask, could be a man um, yeah. was just like a zombie just sitting there, just staring at you know, you know what oh, game so it What was? am I
0: saying from inside? Like From um, the other
1: side of it, through uh, the glass.
0: Like Wreck-It Ralph? Wreck-It Ralph? Not? Wreck-It Ralph is a, a um, uh, not Pixar but um, Disney um animated film oh. where we go inside the world of the video games um and
1: it could always be like that. It actually. Is, it's oh, a it's great it's a like really that. good movie. Yeah, um, I'd have to I'll have to watch that actually because I mean Japan, Tokyo is just I mean games arcades everywhere and I again I find them fascinating. I'm not a gamer but seeing people, you know, captivated by the games just sat at these machines for hours, presumably um, this this particular person was just you know what game it was you're going you to laugh right the game was you know where you put the pennies in
0: pay
1: for is that what it's called and then it sort of you, you want it to drop a toy oh, or something little,
0: on oh no with the claw
1: no not, no? not the claw it was the so the machine that moves out like this I appreciate yeah. that the, oh I know, I know it. I know exactly right. You put the pennies um, in and then
0: yeah if you've, if you've ever is. been to Brighton Pier yeah. or any equivalent uh, the <laughs> one yeah. Um, parallel sliding that's it um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shelves I don't uh, even know what
1: we objective uh, the objective is and you
0: put like 15 coins yeah. in and nothing happens and, and then you put a coin in and loads of coins fall over and you get you still somehow have lost but you feel like you've won
1: well this is it and this is exactly what she was doing just sat there I couldn't, I couldn't get the appeal of that but I just loved observing it's a little bit creepy but just, just watching her and I just stood on the other side, and just and just took this photo. I kind of like the fact that it's quite ambiguous. You can't really tell what's going on. You can't really tell what's in the frame here. Um, makes it quite abstract. But obviously, there's a story behind it, which I don't think anyone. No, I think guess. you're
0: fine. I don't think anyone's going to call you creepy.
1: Yeah, well.
0: still a bit creepy, yeah, a bit stalkery. Okay. <laughs> um, Alright, let's. Shall we uh, just move on to one more, and then we'll. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I do want to ask you about this one. About you, mm. You've shown me this. Uh, um, it's... A very, very happy-looking red box yeah. outside the house. In, I um,
1: love this.
0: Uh, I want to know why the red box is on a log. I want to know why... It is it a mail- I, I don't think I can answer that. I think it's
1: a mailbox, yeah. It's a mailbox. So... What made me, You know what, I was walking through the streets, this is in Mount Fuji, and I was walking back from the hill, where you get a good um, view of the mountain uh, from up there, so I'm walking back to the train station, and I just spotted this, and thought, it just made me smile, and it yeah. just, it's
0: like, so I'm, And cute. it's a good picture, there. that's just, really, that's like, I often, well, I don't often see things that make me smile, because I'm, uh, as you might be starting to guess, the cynical one. But um, <laughs> I, you know, when I do th- say things that make me smile, I do try now and reach for at least a camera phone, because um, it is ni- it's a nice to remember them. And that is such a smiley box that I reckon the Amazon guy might not just put a little note saying he came... Um, but might even stop and put your present yeah this
1: is it it's just it was just so cute and you know or kawaii as they call it in Japan everything is just very cute and you know it's these small things that they seem to take pride in and for me it was just you know the red of the letterbox which was standing out anyway The hills in the background it's not a particularly interesting town apart from the fact that it does have an amazing view of Mount, Mount Fuji which actually faces this house I wish I could have captured that but um you know, I guess they come out of their door and see Mount Fuji every morning when the clouds aren't covering it. But this cute little letterbox just stood out to me, and I thought, I've, I've got to get this. This is on film. Um, I just love the tones of it as well. There's something about it that the, the, I just absolutely love as a personal, from a personal perspective rather than,
0: you know, something. The very plain tones of the building seem to mm-hmm. sort of be echoed. I, I guess it's something to do with the film as well. In the. Um not quite grass or what or whatever it yeah. is in the the background. Uh, I you know, I I assume that's what the area is like.
1: Yeah, it's it's all sort of barren barren land. Um actually it's probably not barren, I think they were growing things, but yeah, it was a sort of mud grass type of so it's very sort of beige kind of tones everywhere. Um and then you've got this red smiley letterbox it just made me stop and smile myself to be honest you
0: didn't didn't feel motivated to climb up the mountain I gather that quite a lot of people do did what sorry to to climb Mount Fuji oh
1: no I, I thought I'd take a pass on that one just because I'm not the best climber in the world and I figured if I'm on my own and end up tripping on it or, or whatever I, I think
0: they, they have sort of groups or something but it, yeah. it seems to me like being route marched up a hill would be a bit too like being in a PE lesson yeah, but if, it's l- one of those things where you feel immensely proud of yourself for having done it but would yeah, not necessarily I, enjoy during the day it I don't, might I don't be know.
1: something for another time but this time I thought I'd, I'd lay off the whole Climbing up mountains, and you know, I was already visiting an area that was sort of high in radiation. I figured that, yeah. I'll let that be the risk factor this time and maybe stick, yeah, maybe do the mountain next time.
0: I mean, do you glow in the dark now?
1: I, I haven't tried, I haven't checked actually, but yeah, you don't have a Geiger counter, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I did actually. It was interesting while I was in this area, I picked up a stone off the floor. Um, sorry, not in this area, in Fukushima just because it was a really bright coloured stone it really I I don't know I was just drawn to this stone it was just really ridiculous I picked it up and then I held it in my hands and thought radiation on the ground is much higher than it is in the air and I should probably put this straight back down again um okay well yeah so maybe I am going in the dark because of that I I don't know Seems fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) he said scientifically
1: yeah exactly
0: so um (laughs) you came back you had film Results Mm. you had um, some digital yeah mix uh, mix of
1: everything really
0: how do you I mean actually how do you sort of look at those together in this day and age when digital mediums you know is is how we tend to share our photographs Mm. do do you have to spend ages scanning everything do you have to um,
1: so I actually I got these all developed and processed in Japan. It's a lot cheaper, um, than doing it here as well. Um, but out of convenience, you know, they can do this stuff in a couple of hours. So I had that done there, but it was interesting because they put... They can't email the photos to you. So although they can scan them, they won't email them. And they can't put them on a USB stick for some bizarre reason. So they were actually giving me a what? CD, and my laptop doesn't have a CD drive...
0: CDs so is old school, get, there, isn't it? I
1: know, yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, it was all very convenient. It was on a CD. I just had to get access to a you know a laptop computer that could actually handle a CD. Um, and then I just saved all of them in digital format. So I've got prints, but they are all, you know, um, on my laptop as well.
0: Because I, I, I have not done anything with film for a very long time Mm. so I forget that yes of course they'll develop it onto a disc. there
1: is I mean for me there's nothing quite like film I can't replicate these tones on digital format I could try I could spend time adding filters you know it's what people are doing all the time filters are sort of the big thing to replicate film Um, but for me there's something very I guess authentic about the tones that you get with film and if I'd taken Captured this same frame with digital, and I wish I had, but I didn't actually. I was only carrying um, my film camera um, in this area. I think it would have been there would have been two very different results there. So for me, the fil- film is just is just completely different, and there's something that has. I think it just has more depth to the to the images as well. And
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's I. I have this awkward feeling that I, on one level I want to stick up for technology because I always yeah. have in my whole life. But I do appreciate that you're right. And it is, it's is—it's just immediately, that the quality is immediately there. It's And it's not dishonest mm-hmm. in the same way that I, I sometimes feel, um, particularly the, the filters that are in apps. Yeah, um, but Then I also, I think, is it wrong of me to feel that those are dishonest? I feel those are dishonest because... I grew up and I learned how to use Photoshop and all the rest of it. And so when other people do stuff and it's easy, I feel like kind of annoyed. Oh, I
1: cheated a little bit. Yeah, I, f- for me, I'm a bit of a purist like that. So yeah, you can replicate stuff in on Photoshop. But for me, I prefer trying to get it in the camera the first time, which is why film, it just has that quality. Quick, interesting story is, I think a few moments after I captured this, I went into a coffee shop, I think the only coffee shop in town, and... Um, this guy said, the first thing he said was oh nice camera, and I thought oh thank you, and I looked at his camera and he was also carrying a film camera, so we spoke about that for a while and I actually um, I said oh can I take a photo and I don't know what compelled me to want to take his picture but I think it's the fact that he just had this really nice smile and he had this film camera and it all felt very old school and very kind of, we were sort of bonding over this you know, our love of film I guess, which was very unlikely as well you don't often meet people that that are no. travelling, that have film cameras, particularly in a remote part of um, the country. So I know that people can't see this, but you know, I just thought it was a nice a nice capture there of, of him. And I took two, actually that one, and of him actually looking into the camera as well. So anyway, I don't think I would have captured those two. You tones. found your very own
0: hipster while you were up. Well, this is it, yeah. <laughs> I thought,
1: I've got to get a picture of this guy. It's just amazing. Um, but no, to answer your question... Um, it's very easy to get film processed and developed. I say very easy; you can get it done, um, and the quality I just find is—it's just a
0: lot. lot I'm actually—I I can now. I just remember the last time I shot any film, mm. um, I shot onto a square format camera. Oh, um, yeah. When just before the 2012 Olympic Games, yeah, um, the torch ran through Lewis, where I was then. Oh, uh, yeah, they were going all around, um, all around the country, yeah, yeah. And uh, they came up our high street, and so I have some shots of that event onto a medium format. Interesting. Um, what made
1: you shoot film? Uh,
0: well, it was medium format camera, so film was. Uh, yeah, yeah. But what necessary. made you take that out? Uh, what I had it there for ages. I've been meaning to to do it, um, and I think. It occurred to me that the film does go bad eventually. All so. oh, right, fair
1: enough. Mind you, I shot a roll of ten-year expired uh, film as well, and it came out perfectly fine. So as long as you keep it in a yeah.
0: No, I think that know, there is that. Also, they, they did sort of tell us the Olympics was all historic. I guess film mm. felt historic and important. Yeah. But uh, well,
1: also, you know, you've got to be a lot more patient with it because you can't view the the image straight away. Um, you've got to wait to finish the roll off. You've got to wait for it to get it. You know, to get it all back. And there's something I think that changes your style of photography when you shoot with film, because you can't afford to waste a whole roll of film shooting one frame. And well, at the I same time, you haven't you're got time
0: for every time yeah, you press the button. That's exactly. suddenly thinking again, and you haven't you got yet.
1: the luxury of shooting, you know, a million you know, shots of the same scene. So it makes you think a little bit more as well. So yeah, there's a lot to it. A lot to it. But for me, it was. Um, Although I uh, I'm one film. side of that
0: equation I've always thought was quite interesting is that people will happily spend four thousand pounds on a camera body. Mm. Um, you're going to have to spend a, take a lot of pictures <laughs> to yeah. balance that out yeah. when you compare it against the cost of uh, each roll of film. Yeah. Um, but
1: <laughs> true, good point, really good point. But yet,
0: taking film feels expensive. Whereas mm. It's an extra bit of digital, a year, you know, yeah. isn't it, it's really? Just, so, psych- I'm just saying, psychologically, that's how yeah, it yeah. works for me, anyway. Um, anyway, I think um, we're going to be evicted from the podcasting room um, quite soon. Yeah. So, yeah. believe it or not, we were worried that we wouldn't be able to talk for half an hour at the beginning of this. yeah <laughs>
1: When it comes to photography, I think... Can yeah, once, once you start. Hours and hours, yeah, once you get started.
0: Um, uh, this is our first effort, so... Um, but in the meantime uh, you can find out uh, more details um, obviously on the um, iTunes or wherever you go for your podcasts on thephotographerpodcast.com um, and if you want to look at Tanya's work you can go to oh, just...
1: excuse me you can just google my name and find all kinds of social media that I'm on um, I have a website it's so www.tanya-n.com
0: because she's basically too cool for words. Yeah. Oh, I'm just no Tanya I'm just too
1: old for all that Instagram stuff I am on Instagram as well though if you
0: just look me up you'll find me um, I think um, my, uh, my URL was actually stolen by somebody but um, you can find uh, what I thought was a brilliant name for all my drone stuff which was tamesky t-a-m-e-s-k-y dot com but actually sounds like some sort of weird Russian mm. thing now Tamsky. it's Tamsky. yeah <laughs> Um, so uh, and yeah if you google Adam Juniper it's a pleasingly un, uh, unusual name actually Juniper mm. is a name um, or you will find me as at Adam Juniper or one thingy on uh, social media uh, we'd very much like to hear what you thought about this um, yeah thank you for thank you for having me as well yeah de- <laughs> well, well thank you for having us sure. <laughs> okay bye